All right, well, good morning, everybody. Everybody sounds really awake, you know, for the day that it is, right? I love that. Like, good morning. I'm here. I'm here. That is awesome. Um, I'm so glad that we're all here this morning. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor here. And um, if you're here online, then welcome. If you're here in person, good job waking up and um, or realizing it was a little later and then like throwing everything together and running over here. Um, I, uh, I got up when I normally do um, just to start praying for the morning and get ready. And um, I realized I, am, I feel way more tired. You're not feeling like you get up and you're just like, I don't feel good. It's because, well, you know, our minds still thought it was a little earlier than it was, okay? So I appreciate you being here and making the adjustment uh, for us to spend this time together. Uh, and so today, uh, we'll be back in our series. Um, David did a great job sharing last week. Uh, we'll be jumping into why government today, why government. I know you were looking forward to it. <laughs> as a topic to uh, discuss, but um, I hope today as we get into this, we'll kind of realize some of the blessings uh, of living um, under a system of governance and under a place that uh, God has put us to flourish. Um, Now, there's some places in the world where there's oppressive government or there's places that are being taken over by oppressive governments. So we watch what's going on in Ukraine and it breaks our hearts. So our brothers and sisters in the faith and then those who are defending their country uh, in a place that uh, currently has democracy, but that's being taken away. And so um, I, what I want to do today is not necessarily talk about politics because I don't really like to talk about politics. I want to talk about what the Bible says in regards to how we live and operate in a society, not only as being good citizens, uh, but being a people who honor and respect God's word, and therefore honor those who are in leadership and pray for those uh, who need it every single day. Okay, and so we'll be in Romans 13, 1 through 7, so go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, Romans 13, talking about why government, and this phrase that I want you to remember is, uh, what hill to die on? Um, now, there's been a number of hills that people have died on throughout history. Some of them have been good ones. Um, some of them have been ones that um, uh, were a good place to stand. Um, other ones, not so much. Uh, And so today, I hope that we can kind of sort out some of those, what would be a good place to stand in a difficult situation and standing uh, with God and on His Word. Uh, And so one battle in particular is I was trying to figure out where this phrase came from, because it came to my mind when I was working on the message, and what hill to die on, what hill to die on. Uh, And it actually is pretty well known for one battle in particular, uh, the Battle of Bunker Hill. It should be on the screen for you to see just a picture of it. Um, You may know it, fought on Saturday, June 17th, 1775. It was during the Siege of Boston, the first stage of the American Revolutionary War. Uh, the battle's named after Bunker Hill in Charleston, Massachusetts. And um, <clears throat> maybe you've been there, some, seen some of those uh, historical markers, and we're all kind of aware of those things that have taken place, but we don't really think about them very often. The hills that people were willing to die on, uh, maybe just to be free, to be independent. And this battle in particular uh, was a pretty important battle, and it was one that the American colonies lost, actually. And so when we look back to it, we go, oh, that was a loss. But what it showed the elite British army uh, was that the Americans, or the American colonies, were not willing to back down, no matter what the cost. And that was a decisive battle that ended up proving that the American colonies would be able to be independent, and they, they would fight to the very last person in order to stay, stay independent. And so as we think about this, I know we, <clears throat> over the last couple of years, we've, we've kind of dealt with a lot of really divisive issues. We've dealt with things from government at times that we just go like, that's 
overreach, or that's not right, or that shouldn't be going on. I'd have to agree with you on some of those things. But at the same time, we, we have to ask ourselves some tough questions when it comes to what hill would we really be willing to die on? Um, and I think about the people in Ukraine who, who literally are dying on their own hills and their own land to maintain their independence. And so here's just a couple of questions to think about before we get into the text. When it comes to maybe civil disobedience or even just um, oppressive government, I think about things like whether to obey the law or not. Um, that should be something that should be pretty clear for us. We should obey the law, right? As believers, uh, willing to honor those in positions of authority. It's kind of like you're driving down the road and you go, well, I know that's the speed limit, but I'm going to go as fast as I want to. Now, eventually that will go bad, right? I mean, you'll, you know, you'll get a couple of speeding tickets and they'll send you that reminder in the mail. I haven't gotten any of those. But they'll send you that reminder in the mail, and it'll be like, hey, you only got one shot left, right? And then you lose your license. I've only heard about that, okay? Uh, and so I, I think the last speeding ticket I got was like uh, when I was 19, okay? So it was a while ago. Uh, and so those, there are those reminders there, right? So you get pulled over, you get a reminder that there's a penalty for breaking a law, for breaking something like that. And they're really not laws that we should uh, be willing to break or break intentionally, right? And certainly um, all the time. But what about when we're in those places or there's uh, maybe you're in another setting, you know someone who is in another government and they say, well, our, our government isn't legitimate, so we're not going to pay taxes or we're not going to do something like that. And then we start to get in some, some troubled areas unless, unless that government says there's something that we want you to do or there's something that we don't want you to do that's in contradiction to the Scripture. And we'll talk about a couple of these instances in the Scripture. You know, we immediately think about um, characters like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, who were uh, before the king. And uh, what did the king say? He said, now you're going to bow down to the idol or we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And what did they say? Well, no, we're not going to do that. Well, okay, we're going to throw you in. And they said, okay, even if, so God can't save us, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. Now, that's a pretty good hill to die on, isn't it? People have died on various hills for various things, but when it comes to our faith, when it comes to what we believe, we, we have to understand what, what's really the hill that we should die on. Maybe what are some that we shouldn't. And so we're in Romans 13, and just to give a little bit of background, Paul, who's uh, writing from Corinth, he's actually waiting out some bad weather. Uh, he's on his third missionary journey, and this is around 57 AD, and Paul's in this place where like, he, he wants to go and he wants to give the Romans a word of encouragement and theology because the church that's in Rome, they're all meeting in house churches at this present time uh, that he's writing, and he knows that. So this letter's going to get circulated, uh, and, and most of the believers who are in Rome are Gentiles, so uh, they're, they're, they don't have a Jewish background, they don't know the law, um, they're just trying to figure this thing out. In fact, scholars have kind of worked back and forth for years on... Now, now, how did the gospel actually get to Rome, right? Because there wasn't a missionary journey that had gone there. Uh, most people believe that at Pentecost, so when the Spirit fell and, and then lots of people got saved, there was somebody there from Rome, or there were a couple people there from Rome, and they took the gospel back, and there were all these house churches that were started, and, and Paul's hearing word of this, and he's going like, these people need some help. They need some help with their theology. They need some help to figure out how to operate in a time that's difficult. For Christians during that time, especially uh, being under the Roman government, was a difficult place to be. And so hopefully this will help us um, as we move forward, just to get a little bit of context here. Paul, Paul writes about a lot of different things in Romans. It's, it's one of my favorite books in the New Testament. Um, it's one that uh, my pastor growing up, um, he, we, this is when we still had Sunday night service. 
Uh, I don't know if we had that here. We probably did at some point. And so on Sunday nights, he would go line by line through the book of Romans. It took him like seven years. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so I don't think we'll do that. Uh, so it took him like seven years. And I just remember going like on Sunday nights and like most of the kids were like, hey, we're going out, hang out, do this. And I'm like, I'm going to church. Because like I want to hear <laughs> what Paul had to say in Romans to the church in Rome. Uh, and so I'd go there and just listen to it and, and love it. And so this is kind of part of my love for walking through this because there's was, there was so much practical advice and theology in the book of Romans. When Paul writes, we look at chapter 12, uh, he, he, just, he talks to the people about the marks of a true Christian, how to live and how to operate. And um, at times we, you know, we make things much more difficult than they need to be, don't we? Um, we get kind of caught up on, on a lot of little things and maybe things that do rub us the wrong way, but things that we can work through um, and not create dis, uh, dissension about um, and not rebel over. And so Paul says, hey, here's, how, here's how this way that you should live together in the community of faith uh, within the government that you live in. And then you fast forward to chapter 14, and Paul talks about quarreling about little things. He, kinda, he comes back around after he talks about government. He goes, don't worry about the stuff. It's not that big of a deal. Because there's going to be something that's a much, much bigger deal, right? And again, I keep, I keep coming back and praying for the people in Ukraine and thinking, like, that's a big deal, right? Um, I remember um, it was just, you, know, you see a bunch of different articles, and there was a, uh, an older couple. Um, they were in their home. I don't know if you saw that video. Maybe you did this week that uh, were, were in their home, and they had security cameras, so they recorded everything and, and posted it. And so these, these Russian soldiers who, who uh, broke open their gate, basically, and walked into their property, and, you know, going to search everything, and this old couple, unarmed, you know, came up to these soldiers and had a conversation with them. They weren't happy, obviously, but at the end of the conversation, they walked away, <laughs> and they shut their gate. So I thought, well, that's a little victory, right? Uh, but when we, when we read this, we, we have to figure out, well, what does it look like? We live in a nation that I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider a Christian nation. Maybe some people would. Uh, a nation that's been, I think, taken over by a lot of other ideology and thought and philosophy, but we live in a place where we still have freedom, and we have this ability to operate and, and love those who are around us and, and set the example for other believers. So how do we live in this society? Well, starting in verse 1, uh, we see God's authority. So that's the first fill in the blank, God's authority. Um, so there's this question, where does earthly authority come from? Well, it comes from God. And so in verse 1, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And so this is tough for us sometimes, especially when, you know, we feel like there's people in leadership who are maybe not doing things that, you know, we want them to do, or if they do something that rubs us the wrong way, we're like, well, I'm not praying for you anymore, right? Or, you know, I don't have to do that, or I don't have to follow you. We'll get it back up there in a second, I'm sure. So looking at God's authority in verse 1, we have to understand that God puts people there, and sometimes there's this other um, ultimate purpose that we lose sight of too, right? There's like, there's like one law or one thing that we don't like, and we go, well, man, you're not on our team anymore. We're not going to be there for you. Now, we, we should be praying for and building up our leaders on a regular basis. It doesn't mean that we support everything that happens. It doesn't mean that we support every decree and every law and every mandate, but we certainly submit to that authority. Um, and there was a point, like during the pandemic, I know a lot of us, probably all of us, were frustrated about something, you know, or another, and still have continued to be about different things, um, even though we've kind of moved maybe out of the season, especially for this year. And I was watching all the press conferences, um, you know, Andrew Cuomo was, uh, you know, putting up there, here's the next update, here's the next thing that was going on, um, and, and handling the situation, you know, relatively well, given what was going on, 
I thought, I don't know if I'd be able to do that <laughs> in that situation. Uh, but there was one press conference in particular, so numbers were going down. This was in 2020, and, and COVID seemed like it was getting better. And I remember he said this one phrase uh, when asked by a reporter something, and the numbers were going down, and he said, he said, God didn't make the numbers go down. We did that. And there's times, you know, when you hear things like that, and I, I don't know why, because normally I'm just like, oh, he doesn't know any better, right? You know, he doesn't have a relationship with God. And, and so as I'm, I'm thinking about those things and praying for that individual, something just was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's a matter of time. But, you know, because sometimes we get frustrated and we don't trust God and his timing. But, but what took place? So uh, months later, right, things start to come out. And, uh, and we always get frustrated with God's timing and we don't, we're not patient, right? And so that happened. Other leadership got installed. And we should continue to pray for anybody who's in leadership. And when we see this, our job is just to support. It's just to pray for. Um, and at whatever point we need to say, okay, we can't do that, um, then we have to come to that decision. Uh, but the truth is God's holding all power together, right? He gives the authority there, and he's going to set up leadership. He's going to bring it down, right? Scripture talks about that. Leadership's established. It's brought back down. A kingdom's established. It's brought back down, right? And so what's our responsibility? And I think we think like, it's so difficult living in the United States. Right? It's so difficult living in our nation. Uh, but we have a lot of freedoms, right? We have a lot of things that other people do not. Uh, and so think about where we're at, like all the blessings that we do have living in this place and how we can be supportive and how we can lift up and we can pray for those in leadership because my guess is, man, it'd be difficult being in any position like that, any governmental position. And so God wants us to pray for them and respect them as the authority that he's put in place there. And so then in verse 2, it says, therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, you know, I know when we read verses like this too, we go like, well, if they say something I don't like, or they, you know, they're opposed to what God wants, and I'm, I'm not going to do that. Now, I, I understand that. But when we read this, it says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. Now, coming from this place, uh, I, th- I think we have to understand that that when something's done that is wrong or oppressive or it's unethical or immoral, um, we do have to take a stance, right? You know, I think about um, families who are in China that uh, there's you know population control, and and so you you have one child, and then it's like you know don't get pregnant again because well the government will want you to get an abortion. Now that that's wrong, right? That's wrong ethically, morally, scripturally. We value life, and so um, I can only imagine being in a place like that where you'd have to deal with something like that, and we don't, okay? Uh, but there's a time and a place, so we stand up, but we respect authority, and we're willing to um, to be judged or to take that judgment if we really need to take a stand on something, all right? Uh, and when we do that, we have to go, okay, I'm willing to take that cost, but let me let me make sure it's the right hill to die on. Uh, and so um, here's a second fill in the blank. So we've got God's authority, and what about our conduct? So we've got authority, our conduct. That's the second fill in the blank. And we'll look at verses 3 through 5. Um, just looking at God-approved conduct, because it's so difficult, right? When there's something that's done um, that uh, you don't like, when there's a law put in place, when there's um, maybe things that uh, just rub you the wrong way. You know, I think about like um, what was going on you know, with COVID. And I, you know, I went back to um, what were some of just the things I thought were crazy at the time, like let's release a lot of prisoners at the same time, uh, right? Uh, so, and I'm not being critical, I'm just going like, it seemed like a bad idea, right? Uh, and so, you know, we, we see things like that, and we go like, I'm not sure you guys are thinking, <laughs> thinking about this, but what's our responsibility? Still to support, still to pray for and encourage, and we have to think about our own conduct, right? So instead of being critical, 
How can we focus on ourselves and live the right way? It says in verse 3, For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, you will receive his approval. And so, you know, you look back to Romans 12, Paul talks a lot about how do we, you know, we were talking about peace today. Um, How do we live in that setting and be peaceful um, while we may disagree with things that happen from time to time? Well, I think Paul talks about it in chapter 12, looking at verses 16 through 18. This is about living with other people, but also living under any system of government. So it says in verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, does that sound like every, every little thing that bothers you, every little thing that comes up, does that sound like throwing stuff up on social media or, or you know, like just talking to as many people as you can about like, well, this isn't right and we can't, you know, stand for this. And, and maybe in part there are things that, you know, we should have stood up for. Maybe we should have said something about. But, but here, what does the Scripture tell us? That we're supposed to do our best, right? So far as it depends on you, it depends on us individually to live peaceably with all. Um, and that's a hard thing to do, right? I think, um, if anything, I saw, and this is what I was praying for. I was praying for um, unity for our church for the last couple of years. And I, I had no idea um, the difficulty and the struggles um, of leading a church um, from this position. Uh, but I've been so thankful to be a part of this community of faith and um, have our deacons um, who, who really you know, led during that time as well. Um, and when we were doing that, I had no idea. Like, I came from being a youth pastor, and I thought, like, pulling kids off of each other on Wednesday night was, like, the worst thing, you know, I was going to have to deal with. Like, you know, he did this to me, or he said something about my mom. And then, you know, where I'm in this place, and I'm going, like, what do we do, God? Like, <laughs> in a time like this, when there's, you know, serious illness, um, when there's, you know, there's laws, and there's mandates, and there's things that get put in place, and we're, like, really struggling with how do we submit to authority while still being the church, it was tough for me too, and so I, I thought about this. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. How do we do that? Man, still asking that. So and then in verse 4, it says, For he, he, <clears throat> he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, we like hearing this verse when it comes to like somebody who does something wrong to us, like, yeah, they, that person was drunk driving. You know, they, they should be penalized for that. Or, you know, yeah, that person did rob that store. Like, that's wrong. Or that person took somebody's life. So, you know, the interesting thing is that there's all these, like, these laws that govern our society, even though, like, things like the Ten Commandments have gotten, you know, ripped off of courthouses. Uh, and, and, but yet we still operate off of, you know, don't murder someone. Don't steal things, right? Um, don't go over to your neighbor's house and take their stuff. So and we operate off of a lot of these same concepts, yet we've, we've pulled the Scripture, we've pulled God's Word out of them. But when we look at things like this, we, we celebrate wrongdoing being addressed, right? Um, being punished because that's right. It's God's extension of His authority doing that. Uh, but then we really have to ask ourselves this question, like if, if we were told, like, you can't worship God, like, you can't, you know, I know we're thinking about, well, we were told we couldn't go to church, right? <laughs> you know, we were having that conversation. But, but did that happen in a season where God allowed us to have technology and things that we could put in place so that we could still worship? The answer is yes to that. Was it difficult? Yeah, it really was. Um, was it 
the thing that I envisioned doing like the first year of, uh, of a lead pastorate for myself? No, I, I didn't. And did I enjoy it? No, not so much. But at the same time, God still allowed us to be connected and be brought back into this place. So as I struggle with that, I, I continue to have to ask, like, where are we at? Where are other countries at? Like, how, how are we blessed? Um, and how can we have maybe right perspective and maybe live at peace during this time? And that was a difficult thing to do, right? And I want you to know, too, I, as I, I was thinking about you know, these passages a lot, and we kind of shared back and forth, but I didn't speak on anything like this uh, for a reason. Um, and I think things were, as I prayed about this, were still really um, difficult for us, right? Uh, and so maybe in this season, maybe there's some things that we can hear. I don't know. Uh, maybe you're here today, too, and you're still just like, I just really don't want to hear that. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, but this is God's Word, so we're going to keep walking through it and see how he presses on our hearts about our conduct. So we talked about our authority. We talked about our conduct now. And in verse 5, it says, Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So and we have this responsibility as the rest of the world looks at us. Like we, we read in the quiet time this week in John where Jesus said, Hey, people are going to know you by your love. What does that mean? Well, our love for each other. So how do we treat each other? How do we operate? But people also know us by how we live and operate in our society, right? In our culture. Do we respect the law? Um, do we pray for those in leadership? Do we have good attitudes? Do we try to live peaceably with all people in the system that we're in? And I'm not saying at times that it's not frustrating, right? I think we've all been in that season. We've all been in that time, right? Especially recently. But the question is here, therefore... One must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So as we stand before God, as, we, you know, as we're getting ready in the mornings, as we're praying, going to bed, we've we got to ask ourselves that question. God, not only am I a good, like, do I love the family of faith? Because I think a lot of us, especially here, we'd be able to say that. We'd say, yeah, I really do. Like, I'm, you know, we come to church, and, I mean, like, and, and we communicate with people throughout the week, and we see each other. We're like, hey, how you doing? Like, we extend you know, the right hand of fellowship, we're doing that again, right? Shaking hands, <laughs> hugging maybe, I don't know. Uh, so, and I've started doing that, you know, I just, I'm like, you know, we, we got to be together, we got to care about each other. So we may do like loving each other well, but then when it comes to, man, respecting authority, it's, it's so hard, isn't it? Um, especially in systems that we felt like have been oppressive at times. But God says, hey, let, let me take care of the details. Why don't you try to live peaceably? Why don't you try to follow the law if you can, if it doesn't contradict what my word says? And here in verse 6, and this is our third fill-in-the-blank, okay? So clearly we won't be here long today, maybe. So this is our third fill-in-the-blank, our practice. So we've got, our, we've got God's authority, we've got our conduct, how do we live and operate, and then our practice. So what are just some simple like day-to-day things that we do? Um, how do we live and we operate? Maybe things that others don't even see. It's interesting how much you know, Jesus talked about money and taxes, and like those things we don't, like, no, don't talk about that. That's, <laughs> we don't. So, but here in verse 6, we talk about our practice, really God-approved concepts. It says, For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Um, that's difficult for us, too, because especially if we think, like, you guys aren't doing such a great job, or you aren't, you aren't managing this well. And then we go, we don't really want to do that. But as believers, we have this responsibility. And, and for Jesus, it was almost like this non-issue. Uh, and I'll read a passage in a moment here, but I want to read a, a quote from Chrysostom. Um, He said this about this passage. He said, Paul is saying here that we bear witness to the benefits which the ruler gives by paying him a salary. The taxation system may seem burdensome and annoying, uh, 
But Paul trusts, or Paul turns it into a proof that rulers care for their people. And we may hear that too, and we may go, <laughs> Chrysostom, he wasn't living in our time. I'm not sure people really care about us. But um, those kind of things go to cover a lot of stuff. Um, and I love um, just getting to serve with the uh, volunteer fire department. Um, here in Elba, I, I don't get paid. That's why it's volunteer. Um, so I do it when I'm available, not here at the church. And, um, you know, but, but I go to the station, and I get in a fire truck that's paid by people's taxes. And I go, I'm so glad that there's something there that can put out somebody's house when it's on fire, right? And we should be thankful for that too, right? We, you know, we're living in a place where we have some of those resources and uh, ability to help people in need. Um, and we should be thankful for that. But, but it's almost like for Jesus, when he was asked this question, it was like a non-issue. So I want to read Matthew 22, um, 15 through 22 as well. And so this is what it says in Matthew 22, 15 through 22. Uh, then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they let him, left him away and went away. So when Jesus is confronted with this, like this is one of my, one of my favorite accounts. Like the Pharisees, are, they're trying to get Jesus, so they send you know, their disciples to him, and uh, they're going like, okay, we got something. <laughs> you know, He's going to say, no, give all your money to the church. Right? No, he, he says, uh, why is this even an issue? He says, whose face is on the coin, right? Okay, so give to Caesar's what's his, right? Give to God's what's his. Um, and so we, when we think about God's authority, right? He's not trying to, I think, punish us or beat us up by uh, allowing us to exist in a time, in a system that we are in uh, to, you know, to make us feel bad or to make us feel like, you know, God, why are we here right now? Things are so difficult. Maybe he's put us here in this season for a reason so that we can live out Romans 13. So like when other people look at us and throughout this whole season, like maybe somebody's just been able to look at you and be like, Man, this was like really rough. This was really a tough time. And you know, they had such a great attitude. I mean, even about all the things that were going on and like, you know, their church did the best job they could to, you know, follow through with some of the things that were coming down and, and, and yet honor authority put in place by God and honor God at the same time because that can be really difficult. And I had no idea how difficult it was going to be until recently. Um, and so then in verse 7, because we're still talking about our practice, it says, Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Um, so this is difficult, and I think we, you know, we've, we've lived and we've operated in a season, and I really hope coming out of a lot of this, um, where there, there may have been things that we were like, you know, that's not right, or somebody should be able to tell me what to do. But the question is, did we live in that season and say, I'm going to do the best job that I can, not only live at, you know, at peace with all people, but to respect the authority that's present while not compromising what I believe and to follow God faithfully. Um, and I, w- I want to commend us. I know this, this whole thing, right, coming out of this has been a difficult time. And again, I hope that we're on the, the backward swing of that. Uh, but as we look at a text like this, we, which we have to grapple with from time to time, we have to go, why does 
government exists? Why does God allow it to take place? Well, ultimately, it's an institution that within, I'll give it, our broken nature, right? No system is perfect. People have tried to uh, make a perfect system of government governance. Um, some people think one is better than another. That's why there's fighting right now in Ukraine. One nation thinks there's one way to do it, one person deciding everything for everybody. Another thinks we live in a system where the people should decide who leads and decide what's best for the people as a whole, representatives. And so while I don't think that struggle will go away, I think the place that we can rest in, no matter what, because there's brothers and sisters living in all places, right, all over the world, um, Christians who live in very different systems even than we do, and they still serve and honor God. Some of them have to do it a little bit differently, right, than we do. So we should be thankful. And as I was thinking about just how to end this um, I wonder, you know, I wonder what the future holds and what different, what things will change and what things we'll actually have to deal with that, that may be even worse. And I'm like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say worse because it can always happen. And so um, as I was praying over this and just like thinking like, who, who's been through these difficult circumstances? Who's worked through oppressive governments? Who's, who's worked through these type of systems to establish the gospel more so? Um, and I thought about this guy, his name's William Tyndale. You may have heard of him. Um, his story starts on uh, kind of the latter end of, of Martin Luther's um, journey through nailing up his 95 thesis um, on the church doors and saying the oppression of Catholicism and, and telling people you had, to, you had to come to the church in order to you know, get your sins forgiven, you give money to the church, and then your family members who have died, like they'll eventually maybe get into heaven if you give enough money. And, and, and so uh, William Tyndale, he, he picked this up, and what he realized was that Martin Luther was right. He put all these things up there, and he goes, that's right, we need to continue to do this, uh, except the problem was the Catholic Church was also a part of the government at the time, and they were oppressing the people by saying, you can't read the Bible. You know why? Because you can't read it in the language that we have it in right now. We have it in Latin, and so what William Tyndale did was he translated the Bible into the people's language, and you know... <laughs> The government didn't like that. The church didn't like it because they weren't going to be able to continue to oppress people when people knew the truth, right? And so he starts mass-producing Bibles and eventually comes to this place. This is about 10 years after he's, he, start, he translates the Bible and then starts getting it into people's hands. Um, and he, he's doing this, and this was, uh, I guess it was, yeah, October 6th, 1536. So this was like 20 years after Martin Luther nailed up his 95 thesis on the church's doors and said, these things aren't right. We can't keep doing these things. And now all these people had access to the Bible. They could read it in their own language, which like we think about, you know, we go, well, yeah, of course I can get it on my phone. I can listen to it. I can, you know, have like 20 Bibles at home. They didn't have that then. And they were being oppressed. And William Tyndale, he said, not going to stand for it. And so after 10 years of doing this, the government, they finally got tired of it. The church, they were like, okay, you're done. And they killed him. And I, I wonder was that a hill worth dying on? As we, as we think about the things that are like most important to us and all the difficult stuff that we've had to go through, I'm not saying that any of those things didn't stink, right? I'm not saying that any of those things weren't tough, but as we think about like where God's going to take us in the future and what, what he's going to do with us as a church, we have to answer some of these questions. Why does government exist? Yes, we know that it exists within the system that God has placed, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination in any way. We go back to Bunker Hill, and we think that was probably about all that was worth fighting. Maybe one of the reasons that we're here right now. And we think about what God's Word says in Romans 13, that God's given authority to people. Yeah, people that are over us that don't always make the best decisions that we still need to submit to. 
We think about our conduct and our practice in this life, that we might live uh, peaceably with all people, <laughs> if at all possible, if it has to do with us. Like, what can we do? And that goes down to a lot of things, like our attitude, our approach to life, um, how we submit. And then we get to William Tyndale, um, a guy who, you know, he was willing to give up everything so that people weren't oppressed, so that people had the truth, so that people had the Bible in their own language. And when the government, when the, when the church said, you can't do that anymore, we still want to have control over people, we don't want them to have the truth, he was like, I'm not moving, I'm not going anywhere, okay? So I want us to think about that, like, um, where do we stand? What's the hill that's worth dying on? I don't know if that's in the future for us or in our lifetime, maybe, but if we were faced with that, we were faced with, you can no longer read the Bible, you can no longer come to church, you can no longer worship God, you can't put anything online that has anything to do with God, what would you do? Maybe it's a question we need to wrestle with and then think now, how, how blessed are we, right? The weekend, like we have a meeting about VBS <laughs> where, where we've contacted a community organization that's a government organization that manages a park that we can have a VBS at where we can share the gospel and everybody's cool with that, right? What are the things that we should be thankful for? How can we live at peace within the system, respect authority, and, then, and be able to live and operate and have the right conduct and the right practice um, in this life? And it's, it's not an easy question to answer, right? Certainly one that we've had to deal with more complications, right? How do we continue to do that? Um, I think we'll still keep working that out. Um, but I want to encourage you in, um, let's think about that. What's the hill that's worth dying on? How do we operate right now? How do we live rightly? I'm at peace and with all people, if at all possible. Um, it's a question I think we're going to continue to answer as time goes on, okay? Um, so I don't know, uh, maybe as you're hearing this, you know, you're, you're a fan of government or you're not, or you don't know why it exists still, uh, but maybe you're in this place, you're online, and you're just going like, uh, I don't, maybe I haven't submitted to God in my life yet. Maybe I don't have this ultimate authority, which tells me that you know, I should follow the governing authorities. Well, what we believe, that it's as simple as this, to enter into a relationship with God, um, to admit you're a sinner, and everybody is. Uh, I make mistakes every day, and I, I just thank God that he's given me grace in all areas of life. Uh, B, believe that Jesus is God's son, that he came, he lived this sinless life, he died on the cross for us, um, so that we could respect his authority, so that we could live in this life and have grace for others, especially those in leadership, uh, and then confess with our mouths that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. Um, we've seen many people do it um, year after year in this church. It's been around for a long time, over 200 years. People get in the waters of baptism and, and say, yeah, I'm serious about this. I believe it. So after doing that, you guys in here, let's continue to live that out in the best way that we can. Um, let's be examples to the community, how we, you know, how we live and operate, how we conduct ourselves um, living in this nation that we do, uh, while ultimately serving God no matter what, and he being our ultimate authority, okay? Uh, let's pray. We'll close. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, this time, for your word. Um, God, I thank you that um, you help us understand uh, many difficult things in this life, um, things that um, at times we wish we didn't have to deal with. Um, God, I just pray that as we submit to you first and foremost, help us to um, submit to authority that's placed in our lives. God, those who uh, are placed there by you may be at times that do things um, that we don't agree with. Uh, and God, help us to understand what, what are the hills that are really the ones that we need to die on, um, the ones that maybe nations are founded off on, the ones that um, preserve people's right to read your word and to worship you, to know who you are, God. Um, I think about all the people who are doing mission work around the world who are translating the Bible into languages that, that doesn't have a, even have a written language right now. Um, the, all the work that William Tyndale did, I pray that we would um, think about that. The people who have gone before us who paid the ultimate price 
um, and stood on a hill that really was worth dying on. Uh, I pray you'd help us just kind of frame that as we move forward, as we deal with difficulty and opposition. Um, God, we're thankful that we're in a place right here in this community, um, in Elba, that, um, that, we can, <laughs> that we can have a VBS um, at a park, God, uh, owned by the town. Um, we thank you that we can share the gospel openly, um, that that's not a place or a, something that we have to worry about, um, being oppressed, um, not being able to share what we believe in, um, to live in a free place. Um, God, we're thankful for that. Um, help us to have the right perspective, the right conduct, um, and practice as we think about your authority and authority that you've placed. Um, help us honor you in that, uh, respect and honor those, and pray for those um, who need our prayers um, in all areas of leadership. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. And uh, I think we'll take a few moments, and then we'll start our meeting. Andy said five.